there are two worlds surrounding you. One is the world they tell you about on the evening news. The other is the one they don't. You're listening to the Ian Wishart Investigates podcast, Great Sacks in Berlin, Confessions of an American Spy. I got captured once, I got captured by the Russians. I was at the end of a runway in Leipzig, and uh, I was in a tree. Next thing you know, there's a 357 in my head. Alan Brown's throwing me on the floor. While we were in the middle of the second day of meetings, the Secret Service showed up right, in Auckland, grabbed Cliff and says, get the hell out of here and get out of here now. We sat down in the White House with uh, President Reagan and had the Weinberger and Schultz were there, and I said... The Australian guy was picked up by the New Zealand police. He was deported back, he was sent back to Australia. He was assassinated 48 hours later. He was shot right through the Lincoln head. Episode 5. In 1995, I wrote and published a best-selling book called The Paradise Conspiracy. It examined the secret world of tax havens and the people and companies who use them. This radio ad from the time gives you some idea of the flavour. The hottest-selling book in the country. The Paradise Conspiracy. The explosive new investigation on the wine box. A true story of death threats, break-ins and dirty deals. Beat the cover-up. Read the shocking truth they didn't tell you on the evening news. The Paradise Conspiracy by Ian Wishart, the most talked about book in New Zealand. In bookshops or delivered to your door, just $29.95 plus $5 post and handling. 0800 007. Thousands sold already. Don't miss out. The book wasn't just the first to reveal that spy agencies are listening to all our phone calls. It was also a major expose on the way spies, criminals and corporates were plugging into a secret economy that most of us never knew about. The audio cassettes at the heart of this podcast reinforce that. And funnily enough, when I skimmed through parts of the Paradise Conspiracy again while putting this episode together, I saw that story through new eyes. The CIA, Iran-Contra scandal figures turning up in the Pacific, secret gold shipments. It's all in the book, but these tapes finally join those dots to provide the bigger picture. The reality is that as long as there's a black market economy based on people's insatiable appetite for recreational narcotics, The cash dollars that customers spend with their local supplier have to find a way back into the banking system or we'd run out of money. A study in the 1990s found traces of cocaine on virtually every American banknote in circulation. The only way to stop this money go round is to stop using cash, and that system would require total government control of your life so they can monitor everything you buy and sell, everything you do. In case you haven't noticed, that's where we're now heading. The mainstream media, which a recently published journalism study in New Zealand confirms skews heavily to the far left, are pushing this emerging global socialism strongly. The interviews in this podcast series were conducted in 1996 and 1999. Some of the individuals and companies named are still around. The now defunct merchant bank Faye Richwhite is named in this episode, alongside what was then New Zealand's biggest company, Fletcher Challenge, in regard to plans to swap tanker loads of Iranian oil for cement at the height of the Iran-Contra hostage crisis. The involvement of Kiwi companies was not illegal, but it was highly secret and could have caused a diplomatic incident. I'm Ian Wishart, and this is episode 5 of my podcast, Great Sacks in Berlin, Confessions of an American Spy. In this episode, we meet Cliff, an American Methodist missionary who ended up as one of the closest advisors to King Tupo IV of Tonga in the 1980s. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So I am still... uh on probation, you know. Yep. So I do want to be very careful. Sure. 
but I I don't burn people and I don't uh, you know I took took everything alone yep. you know not the way to you know mm. even in the kids you know, as I was at school you know I wasn't I knew I wasn't guilty but you know I didn't rat everybody out either yeah and um, I don't know it may pay off may not but you know <laughs> it's just that uh, yeah, I figured what goes around will come around to them and sure. So, anyways, but um, reading your book, you know, put a lot of things together for me. Yep. Because I, you know, I knew a lot of. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know a lot of factual things, but the people that, uh, you know, that I represent the king. Yep. Officially. Yep. Both and the government. Yep. Just, but it's for private enterprise. See. Yep. And so the company, we, you know, I mean, I was traveling just a couple hundred thousand miles a year with the king and different ministers. And um, so I'm always meeting these people. And then they were, I can see now they were really using me. In fact, some of these guys should have been, I mean, I, I have to sit back and think, you know, I think the good Lord was really watching out for me because uh, they they could have gone ahead and financed, you know, a lot more of the projects that I was working on and really had me right in the middle of it. Yep. And I said, shoot, boy, I just... Uh, um, but I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting interesting eleven years I had. Yeah, I mean, um, taking it maybe uh, segmentally, New Zealanders um, involved much in the way of New Zealand's involvement. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was uh, a few of your guys in that book. <laughs> <laughs> But see, they were they were physically moving money. Yep. Which you didn't probably see. You didn't. Uh, they had they had me just one one time. Um, I chartered a, a, a. I got a hold of a C one thirty. Yep. And flew into Singapore. Yep. And they wanted it there in the middle of the night and just drove the armored trucks right up into the plane. Yep. And landed in Tonga. And then unloaded the trucks and took off again. <laughs> so is this money, this money is not obviously money that uh, originated in Tonga. Where did it come from? It was, all, it was gold. Gold. Yeah. Marcos Gold? Yeah, gold. No, it was bullion. Just bullion from, yeah. but uh, we had a lot of New Zealanders and uh, Australians and a lot of big money. See, they wanted to get their they want their money out of Hong Kong and they had it down in Singapore. Yep. And they just started moving some of their liquid assets. And, uh, see, Tonga's got a underneath that airport. Yep. Have you been up to Tonga? Uh, yeah, we landed there once. No. Okay. Well, they've got a they. You see, they when they, during the war in the forties, yep, they they built a big underground bunker. So now it's a vault. Okay. And um, having moved all this gold into Tonga, where does it go from there, or is it still there? Well, I haven't known of any C-130s going in there lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, it see it 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 backs a lot of. 
real, real money. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, there's, there's some real money involved. Um, Toyota and Mitsubishi and... Uh, so we're talking about corporates clearing their accounts prior to the uh, 1997. Yeah. And then they... Um, uh, see, the money the money goes to Singapore. The, the, the Japanese yen doesn't go to, back to Japanese. Yep. Back to Japan. Well, then... They, they, they funnel a lot of it through Hong Kong. Well, they're they're just real. You know, they don't know what's going to happen in 97. Yeah, how'd they manage to clear the um, the bullion out of Hong Kong itself? Well, it, it, they just systematically kept moving it over to, to Singapore. Yep. And they were really afraid, so then they made a deal with the Crown Prince, yep. Tonga, who's quite involved in Hong Kong. Yep. They, and then there's a lot of Chinese that are in, in New Zealand are by way of, of uh, the New Zealand business people that are getting huge, huge money for it. Huge dollars. And moving, you know, there's a lot of Chinese that have been coming in New Zealand. Yep. Well, <laughs> the big corporations, the big, some of these boys you're looking at right now are involved in that. Big dollars involved in that. Big dollars and shipping cash out. We're shipping cash and people. Okay. See, moving people. Yep. Uh, because the people, it's a family money, see? Yep. And then they move their money, and um, I wouldn't be surprised. There's a, there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of gold that moved in New Zealand, too. Mm. Because they, these people over there have a lot of gold. Yep. And so, but when they, they had to move, oh, man. Well, in fact, Steve was working on it for a while. But I just, I, you know, I was, I was just telling Steve when he was here, I said, you know, thank God we just sort of, our wives, you know, flipped <laughs> our necks off because we were really, didn't know how we were close to getting, getting really nailed. Yeah. But the CIA is heavily involved. And what's their, what's their interest in this? Well, see, they, they need front companies. Yep. And they, they have them all over the world. Yep. They're, they're, they got they got two big companies in Fiji, a pretty good sized company in Tonga, a pretty good sized company, two companies in Cooks. Yeah, do you know the ones in the Cooks? Well, I really have to go through it. <laughs> you know, I used to have a lot of notes. Um, It was part of a French, you know, you know that that French hotel that they were going to build there. The uh, Italian one. The Italian hotel, yeah. Yep. Well, that was backed by the CIA. They want, they want, they want front companies, and then they move money because it's the you know, see, that's the only agency in our United States. Yep. That's not controlled by anybody. Yep. They can do anything they want. Yep. It's called national security. Yep. And. Um, so the Pacific Islands have sort of become their um, well, their backdoor route. It always has been. Yeah. It always has been. Uh, Papua New Guinea is a very big place. Yep. So it, uh, you know, I <coughs> and, and see what what where they were trying what they were trying to do with me is uh, because I they knew that I really had control of the king. Yep. And 
And I mean, he would not talk to anybody unless I talked to him. Yep. And uh, it just sort of worked out that way. It wasn't anything I planned or anybody planned. But so then they all tried to, you know, get next to me. Yep. And I wanted everything straight. I wasn't going to go for anything because I had no reason to. Yep. And I still don't have any reason to, you know. Were, were you the guy who organized the um, satellite airspace or? Yep. Yep. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, got them, got them five slots. Yeah. That was that worked out well. It worked out extremely well for them, mm. except the crooks in Tonga, <laughs> you know, ripping off the poor Tongans. But and and there's still a couple of really good, nice projects that could be done in Tonga, which would help the people. But yep. you know, I don't want to do anything again. You know. Now, <laughs> give me the big picture idea here. Um, CIA has been using this to, to, to take cash, I presume, in and out of Asia and... Uh... Finance wars. Yep. Who are they using as their... I mean, they used to use Nugan Hand. Did they ever use European Pacific for anything like that, or was it just... Well, I hadn't heard that name, but uh, uh, the... Uh, the um, oh, what's his name here? They're after him right now, so that's... Um, White? Yep. Faye, Faye Rich White? Yep. They use Faye Rich White, do they? Well, uh, they use a couple of his companies, and I believe that's, I believe that's really the source. Yep. You know. Any idea which ones? I could say I'd have to, you know, they, they just, they were going to start a shipping company down there, and I don't know if, because I, I have a shipping company now. Yep. Yep. Then they wanted to use the airline. See, I own 30% of the government of Tonga's airline. Yep. And so they wanted to, you know, use our planes. Yep. Now, if uh, you're onto something with Faye, okay? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, uh, you're, you guys are onto something with him. But I don't think he'll ever break on you know. Well, depends. Depends how much. Pardon me. Depends how much we can ring fence him, you know. Yeah. Um, I think if things open, to me, I would, you know, and that's why I said to to Steve, you're really better off doing a movie about something like this. Yep. Instead of just going after people, because I think you'd probably lose faith. Yeah. I think he'd disappear. I suspect you're right. We understand he's got himself a belt hole already in uh, both the Republic of Ireland and the South of France. No, I think a, a pine box. <laughs> I wouldn't like that. Oh yeah, no, they won't. They wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let you know. There were there was three guys that just sort of disappeared in Australia. You know. Yeah. The CIA don't play around, man. I'm telling you right now, they don't play around. They do not play around, and I wouldn't play around with them yep. for nothing. But I do know that, because they've had me in their underground compartments, you know, and everything, because I was with the king, and they wanted to meet me, you know, put their pilots on the plane, and I, and I was kind about it, but I didn't realize how powerful they were when they said, you'll go down, buddy. Yep. Did you ever have, did Rich White and Faye ever come to Tommy? 
I think, I think these are partners. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I suspect, okay, that he's in a, he's involved with the crown prince. Okay. And just see who the Chinese connections are with Faye. I hadn't heard of any, but that doesn't mean to say they won't be. Well, anyway, if you're really going to dig, you know, because I, I, I his group was involved with the Chinese deals. Yep. So, and that's where I believe they got a lot of their cash. Okay. So basically... Whether it's legal or illegal, I don't know, you know? Yep. Um, but the guys in Hawaii, I knew... This is the Chisondi and uh, the, sorry, the... Um, yeah, and the Khashoggi's were involved. They were, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did wonder. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I used to fly in their plane. Security Pacific National Bank, do they have any role in any of this? Yeah, well, it was an American, it was a Californian bank. It's a California bank that, uh... Merged with... B of A, one Yeah, that's right, B of A bought it. B of A bought them out. Yep, B of A is quite involved, okay? Yep. Because, um... In fact, when I was on the plane, a vice president that I knew at B of A got on the plane with me. Well, I helped him get on the plane, Khashoggi's plane. Yep. And, because they leased... Uh, they held the, the papers yep. on, on their planes, and when they discovered they were carrying arms and gold, yep. they they wanted me to get him on the plane, and then he went in with a, a, a pocket screwdriver and took the B of A nameplate off from the bulkhead. <laughs> Because they did not want their name showing up. Yep. And I and I got the guy on the plane to get it off. Yep. So I know they're involved. Um. In, in terms of in terms of, I mean, a, a movie will need anecdotes and that sort of thing, little incidents and what have you. And uh, Steve mentioned your uh, arrest, for example. How'd that come about? Well, they I I had bought two DC ten thirties airplanes. And I was taking my company public here, and everything was going along fine. And then the guy that was really next to me, I mean, <laughs> you know, he just started traveling with me because we became pretty good friends in over three years while he was undercover. Yep. And he uh, he said, look, and they were, they were trying to move in on me. Because I wouldn't put, you know, I wouldn't let them use the planes. Yep. I went to the Cook Islands once with my DC-8. Yep. Thing, and I didn't know, they just, they just bought, uh, it was just a freighter. Yep. You know? So all I was doing is keeping that plane flying. What name, what, what, what company name are you using to do that? Well, we were using Trans-Pacific Airways. Okay. But uh, I just, I just chartered the DC-8. Yep. From, from um, um, Guys in Detroit. Call Mister Clark by name. Uh, uh, Coletti. Yep. You know them. 
Mm-hmm. Got a whole fleet of planes. I used to have a dragster, so I knew Connie Coletti. Yep. From there, and when I needed a plane, I called him anyway. So he furnished the planes, and they would they would have me fly from L.A. to Hawaii down to Hong to um, Tonga, then to the Cooks, and back to Tonga, and then to Singapore, then to Japan, and then back across the U.S. Yep. Well, it was supposed to be all garments, you know, the garment industry. Yeah. Well, now, the, I, now I put things together, you know. They were moving money. Yeah. Well, let me just inquire here. The garment industry wasn't from a crowd called Weiner, was it? That's one of them, yeah. This is W-E or W-I-N-E-R? Uh, that's there. How did they fit into it? Well, I had, I had set up a company with the now Prime Minister, um, Baron Vaya. Yep. Um, with his family with for to set up a um, a sewing operation in Tonga. Yep. Which would only which was only gonna be a front operation. Yep. The labels were gonna be put on still in Singapore and that's why they wanted my plane to go through Tonga. So the manifest would show picking up, you know, plane load of garments yep. made in Tonga. And then they were working something in the Cook Islands and so they wanted to run over there and then then we went to Singapore well that's where we really picked up the freight yep and then manifest I said I didn't care what you did it's your plane you chartered it so do it well (laughs) anyways uh, so when when I so I had a chance to get two DC-10 30s and um so I went ahead and committed to buy them for forty million. And Alan Brown uh, said, "Well, look, at I've got some guys here that's got money out of the Cooks and got money out of the from Project and Project in um, the Caymans, big hotels, and they don't want to bring the cash back into the country, yep. the U.S. and pay taxes." Yep. Well, I said, "I don't care what you do, you know." He said, "Well, can you physically move the money?" I says, so I put it on the plane. I, you give me the plane, I can, you know, do anything you want, I guess. Mm. Well, wrong thing to say. And so they ended up getting me back into Mississippi, and they were going to hand me $25 million. And um, so they didn't know that I had come in on a Learjet and then come in in a car because I thought, well, we're going to move money. I don't want anybody to know about it. Yep. So when I got there, then the whole story changes. Says, well, you understand this is drug money and all that. I said, hey, I'm out of here. I want nothing to do with this. Yep. And Alan, it's, I have a diplomatic passport, see? So he was, I mean, I look back and I say, man, you guys are really sort of stupid, but you're pretty smart, too, to make sure that they knew I'd left my passport in Tonga. Yep. And so that's when they made their move. <laughs> Uh, I got uh, five indictments, 20, what, 25, 25 years. How did it actually uh, come about, though? How was the arrest effect, affected, if you like? Well, we were in we we're in a room, and they, they said, well, we're going to bring in the money. And I said, no, I don't want nothing to do with it. I had some bankers with me and some other people. And they said, everybody was trying to get me to settle down, and, and Alan Brown was really, you know, just relax, Cliff, and, you know, don't worry about it, you know, this, uh, we're just going to bring this, this is, so you can buy those airplanes. And I said, I, I don't want it to be dirty money, man. 
I'd rather just buy the buy the planes. I'm, we'll go public in a month, so I'll raise the money. No, no, no. So these guys bring in these boxes. It's supposed to be all this money, and next thing you know, there's a 357 in my head. Alan Brown's throwing me on the floor. And, you know, <laughs> you dirty son of a gun. Man, he said, you are under arrest. And I go, whoa. Well, when they first did it, I thought it was a mob. Yeah. I thought, oh, geez, these guys, oh, man, you know, <laughs> we're all going to get blown away. And, um, Where, where's Brown now? Huh? Where's Brown now? I don't know. Hmm. He's an agent. Yep. So, and I turned around, I says, and he, then they really tried to be nice to me, and he said, well, can you name names? I said, look, Mr. Brown, whoever you are, I said, would somebody puts a gun in my head you know I don't trust you no more yeah. I, I talked to my lawyer you know I, I don't know what's going on but I ain't gonna talk to you so the CIA wanted you to run basically an airline for them they were gonna put up well, all the they, they want no well that's that was I'd look back and see that was the plan See, but I was just doing it myself. I financed everything myself. Yep. There. I mean, I used my own money. I lost over a million and a half bucks. They sunk, sunk my ship, first ship I had. They sunk, I don't know if you read about it in Fiji. Um, probably about 86, 87. What was it called? The Capricornia. It's still it's still running. Rings the bell. But it uh, they put it they put a crew on the thing and the thing is tied up at the wharf at Fiji and bingo it sunk. <laughs> so I just went out and chartered another ship and paid everybody for their containers. Yep. I really got mad, you know, and they didn't like it. But uh, you know, it's boys play pretty rough. Mm. I'll tell you who else is pretty involved is Boeing. Yep. Boeing, Boeing aircraft. Does that bring in New Zealand into the equation at all? No. You never touch your New Zealand, but they control the whole Pacific. Yeah? Oh, geez. I, I would say your New Zealand probably had more to... <laughs> they control everything. But obviously on somebody's say-so. Well, yeah, I mean, they just... Anybody comes in there, they're, they're, they literally will... <laughs> I, I probably look. They would probably try to blow up the plane or something. They they just to break you. Yeah. I mean they do. Right now they're the only airline flying down there. Only airline. They are just reaping huge profits. Why haven't uh, Qantas and some of the American operators sort of? Uh... They all made a deal. See, I made it. I had a deal with the chairman of American Airlines. Yep. And um, they had seven percent of Air New Zealand. Yep. To get out. See, so they pulled out. Yep. But they're not out. See, that's how the shipping industry is down there. When I first got down there, the New Zealand ships took care of the islands. Yep. No American ship would go into those islands. And they had a treaty, just as it's a pack. They would go to American Samoa and it transshipped 
and the New Zealand carriers or Australian carriers would pick it up and bring it down. Yep. Just ripping off those islanders. $8,000 to ship a 20-foot container from the U.S. Just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and I said to the king, I said, look, I need you. I'll go get a ship, but, you know, I'm going to have to have some muscle. Okay, what do you want to do? I said, just be partners with me. I said, I don't think they'll bother us too much. So I went out, chartered a ship, made a deal with all the people in the islands, and it was, you know, about 2000 bucks a container. Mm. And, uh, boy, did those guys in New Zealand get, I mean, they would not touch our ship. They wouldn't. We, I had to go down there and pay 10000 bucks to get the ship huh. uh, offloaded. Good grief. They wouldn't touch it. So, you know, there was just so many things that, um, you know, just, just I was there trying to just innocently help the islands. Yep. Meantime, the Cecil Cocker and Lange Kavaliku and Prime Minister of the Cooks, see, he was pretty buddy-buddy with Cecil Cocker. Yep. And the Minister of Finance of the Cooks was real buddy-buddy with Cecil. Yep. I, I got the, bank, the Offshore Banking Act. Up for Tonga. Yep. So, and it's it's. I think the cooks copied it. I'm not sure. Yeah, could have done. But uh, so weaponry into the islands at all? Pardon me. Any weaponry moving through the islands at all? No, but um, let's see. I was I was in the process of building a refinery yep. in Tonga. And it's actually it's it still can be done, but. Um, Iran is involved. Okay. Uh, in Iraq. Yep. They 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 wanted to give they wanted to give Tonga some Western Samoa, Fiji, and the Cook Islands are uh, contained uh, a super tanker of crude oil. Yep. In exchange, we would buy for them. Um, the things they needed. Such as? It wasn't, wasn't so much weaponry as it was, uh, especially with Iran at the time, it was, I mean, it was like, you know, concrete steel. Yep. That's when Faye, that's when I, um, that's when I was introduced to Faye. Um, it's when I was working on that project. I, I spent about three months in New Zealand. Okay. And, so and Fletcher, Fletcher got involved. Yep. But Faye sort of spearheaded the thing. And this was to sell stuff to Iran and Iraq. Was this while these? Strictly, it was strictly a barter deal. Yeah, but this was at the time when those two countries were um, off limits per se. That they were absolutely off limits. So when they when they wanted that, then the first thing I did is called up the State Department because representing the king, I told the king, I said, I don't want you to get involved in anything that's going to hurt you. Yep. So I contacted the people I knew in the State Department because um, he would, representing the king, um, I got him to the first state visit to the White House. Yep. And that's how I went Weinberger and Schultz and, and President Reagan. Yep. <laughs> the king asked him to appoint me the ambassador for the Pacific. Yep. When, um, oh, forget, he was just retiring. And I told him I didn't want to be a career, you know, government. Yep. Agent. I, I would rather be private. 
so I turned it down. But um, so with that connection, when I um, when this trans when these people come up, in fact, Steve was involved with the Iranians. Okay. Not involved, as he didn't know. Yep. Uh, How long ago was this? Eighty. 88 or 89. Yep. So prior to the uh, most recent Gulf War, but um, just after the end of the last one. Well, yeah, the, the Gulf War, see, I was headed to Iran. Yep. And, and the State Department called, contacted me and said, don't go. Yep. I mean, I would have been in the middle of it. Yep. But they were going to use me. The State Department gave me okay to do it as long as I could. And, and I... And, that's that's sort of when I met with the underground people, the CIA guys. That they said, "Fine, we'll let you do it, but you gotta, you know, it's got to be tied to the uh, hostages." Yep. Say, okay. so I was halfway in the middle of that. <laughs> they said, "Fine, we'll let we'll let so much oil leave, but the understanding is, when the oil leaves, the." Um, Hostages have to be released. Yep. And um, so, but but that but Faye was handling New Zealand. See, because we were going we were going to run we were going to do the buying in New Zealand and Australia. Yep. For them, and then they got me involved with Fletcher Challenge to get the cement, and then um, um, uh, that they had connections in China for the cement. I mean, it was, it was just all over the world. Okay, and yet this was in defiance of the American... It was, it was a lot of money. Oh, yeah. A lot of money. It was one one super tanker a month. For how long? As long as, as, long as we can get rid of it. Yeah. It, it, it was... I mean, I figured out that deal would have just set me up for the rest of my life. <laughs> and Steve, too, because Steve was, you know... Was was far annoyed that it fell through? Uh, actually, see, right out, right after that is when I came back to the states. See, nineteen ninety is when I got busted. Yep. See, so I've been just sort of out of everything. So, yeah. It's not the king, but boy, his ministers. That's, uh, you know, Cecil Carker? Yep. Well, you know, he got just, you know, he supposedly got kicked out of Tonga for the, you know, as the uh, Minister of Finance. Yep. But he's the Minister of Works. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got too many skeletons in the closet. Cecil handled all of the offshore money. Okay. So the basic picture is that we have across the Pacific, if you like, a, um, a CIA, well, uh, basically a black market money-moving operation. Yeah. Um, these places have become the, uh, you know, the, the backdoor route that nobody knows about. Well, I mean, common common knowledge, I think I put in the, in the Paradise Conspiracy, that the perception is that uh, money is laundered in the Caribbean and, and uh, you know, that... But it's too well known in the Caribbean. Yeah. So they just, they, they switched on there. Well, when I got the, the Banking Act in 84, when Tonga got that, see? Yep. <coughs> oh. The... Um, and a lot of things started happening. Yep. Then I believe that's, I, I, I remember even at the, uh, I met 
Risters from Cooks, Rotonga. Um, they all came for the Prime Minister's daughter's wedding. Yep. And uh, I was introduced to a lot of them um, via the Crown Prince. Okay. She. If he ever come, comes into power, then I would look out for Tonga. Yep. And our government watches them 24 hours a day. Yep. They watch him. If he ever comes into the state, he's got a tail on him. Yep. Because of his Chinese connections. Okay. And right now, I know our government's, the CIA is very involved in China. Yep. And, um, well, it's always big New Zealand companies getting setting up over there as well. Well, they will be CIA fronted. Yeah. They they go in there and they they would just take you and put you in as a news, you know, and say I'll put you on the TV over there, whatever it is. Yep. And they fund you every unlimited money, whatever you want. See. Yep. All they want you to do is report to them. Yep. See, and and you know who's mostly involved in all of this? It's the Mormons. And I can tell you another whole conspiracy behind that. <laughs> so we sort of wondered where that wound up could come from. There was talk of a Mormon involvement in that. Pardon me? There was talk of a Mormon involvement in the Windox issue. Do you know how much the Mormons make? How much money they have? I'd be frightened to hazard a guess. About uh, $10 billion a day. Shit. They own the major companies in this country. Trans, Trans American Insurance, Prudential Insurance, all the Safeway stores, uh, Alpha Beta, Lucky stores, women yep. owned. Yep. And but uh, see, all the missionaries—they're all—they're all briefed by CIA agents Good. before they go into any country. Good grief! Every one of them. The Tongans, the Tongans come in there. I mean, I. I knew a lot of things were going on, you know, and I just stayed away from it. Yeah. But the Mormons are very, very powerful. Yeah. Very powerful. All right, well. So you could, you know, you, I, I can just see, uh, did you see the movie Lethal Weapon? Yeah, I did. That type of a story. That's that's the way I see it, and I think you can get several uh, because several movies out of it along those lines. Because because the, the the crux of the story was you know diplomatic immunity. Remember that? Yep. Uh, you know, so they all hid under diplomatic immunity. When I one time, well, one time I had accidentally left my passport in the car in a rental car in American Samoa. Yep. Jumped on the plane and I'm sitting on the plane. And I said, "Gee, God!" I, I left my carrying bag in the rental car. I'm going up to the pilot. I said, "I can't land," you know. Yep. Don't have my passport. They called ahead, and uh, man, King had a car meet me at the airport. Bingo. And I was on my not the king, the prime minister, because I was on my way through Tonga to New Zealand to meet with the king. Yep. And just to show you how fast they moved. They grabbed me in a car, rushed me down, middle of the night, took my pictures, and next thing you know, I had a diplomatic passport. <laughs> Flew into New Zealand with the king, because the king left on that plane, you know? Yep. So they held the plane up for him, took me, ran me into town, got my pictures, and come back here, I got a red tongue and diplomatic passport. Okay. So from that point on, and so they, I just, you know, I stumbled onto it, you know? I mean, I didn't need it. Yep. I told the king, I said, I can go any place in the world without this thing. But it 
was very helpful because when the king left the plane, he would get off of the tarmac, and the rest of the people have to go on through the you know security. Yep. So he says, well, no, this is better because when you leave, you leave with me, get in the car with me, and here we go. Yep. You know? So I ended up going all over the world with that king. You know, <laughs> some of the things involved down in the Cooks and the Tonga on these bank letter of credits. That's right. I saw one of them. I think I've, I've mentioned it on the book. Yeah. Well, those letters of credit, see, is a, is a scam. But most of them, and they're out to real. They're doing what you what you've stumbled onto is the tip of the iceberg. It's yep. up to the trillions of dollars. It's not just billions. Exactly. Great Sacks in Berlin: Confessions of an American Spy continues in a moment. He's been shot at, tear gassed, mugged, arrested, electrocuted, and almost assassinated. And he still keeps coming back for more punishment. With more lives than a cat, you're listening to Investigate Daily's Ian Wishart on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Coming up on the next episode. I get approached from Secret Service. They said they wanted me to meet some people. I said, okay. And but they're taking me in the Secret Service car. We go downtown Dallas, and we go to this real slummy part of town. Get out of the car, and we walk up to this really slum-looking house, right? Mm-hmm. Open the door, and next thing you know, I'm in an elevator going down. I don't know how many floors or how to beat, but we went square down to Dallas. And I'm walking down these hallways, and this, 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 this. Next thing you know, I'm in a secret CIA headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am just, just, I remember that movie, uh, Get Smart. Or, yeah. Great Sacks in Berlin, Confessions of an American Spy, is an Ian Wishart podcast. Follow Ian Wishart on Facebook or Twitter or through your podcasting service. I see you suffering in silence is his Stay.